0: Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out more about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain.
1: Hi, welcome back to Making Action Happen. I'm Sarah Blackhurst.
0: And I'm Brian McCain
1: we've got a really great show for you today. Uh, two things really important that everybody should remember, and we're going to talk about that first. Um, we've got Jessica Smith here with us for the, um, for the with Connect for Health Colorado, and we're going to go to her um, in just a moment. And then also later in the show, we've got John Christensen, who is running for school board uh, here for uh, District 70. So we're going to have a great discussion about um, why somebody who runs a ranch would want to get involved with the school board. so um, but first Jessica, welcome back. you it's been exactly one year
2: since you did the show with us. Yes, I'm so excited to be back. Thank you for having me. um you know, I feel a little more prepared today. I'm ready to <laughs> talk to you guys. I was nervous last year. <laughs> you were brand new uh, brand new in the position
1: last year when you did this and the first thing we did is we threw you in to do the show and it was one of like, I think it was our second or third episode in, and we were trying to get our feet under us as well. Um, <laughs> but you come with Connect uh, Connect for Health Colorado. So just really quick, will you tell everybody a little bit about um, Connect for Health Colorado, what you guys do, but also um, just a, a shout out because uh, you've got some important stuff coming up right away. So
2: start with that, would you? Yeah, happy to. Um, so, again, my name is Jessica Smith. I am the Community Partnership and Outreach Manager at Connect for Health Colorado. Um, first and foremost, I want to mention that we have expanded this position this year um, to add somebody who does the work I do, community partnership and outreach, in your area because we. Um, value that part of the state. We know that we need you guys need representation down there. And so we've added Maria Adams, who is the community partnership and outreach manager um, in the San Luis Valley and Southeast regions of the state. Um, I'm covering for her today because she's out in your community um, talking yeah. to people. <laughs> yeah, so. she's She got right in involved with us. Um,
1: she came to the annual meeting. Um, she's been a, already a really great resource for us.
2: Yeah. So big shout out to her. Good. Yeah, we love her. And she's based down there in Pueblo um, and driving around Trinidad and talking to small businesses. So it's great. Um, But for those of you who don't know who Connect for Health Colorado is and what we do, um, we are the state's health insurance marketplace. So when um, the Affordable Care Act was passed, states had a choice. They could either get a... uh, uh, create a state-based marketplace or use the federal marketplace and colorado was like yeah you know as well as the federal government seems to run things <laughs> um let's make our own let's create our own in the state so that is connect with colorado um, and we are here to help um, folks who don't qualify for state programs like medicaid and don't get insurance from an employer Um, find affordable health insurance so uh, the way we do that is through tax credits and um, basically when you come to our website you will find out if you qualify for financial help and when you find out that you do um, it just kind of automatically comes off of your premium every month so if you go on and you qualify for two hundred dollars a month And you find a plan that you like that's $300 a month, um, that $200 will just fall off and you'll be responsible for the $100 that's left over. Um, And a cool thing about this year in particular is um, the American Rescue Plan was passed back in March um, and it significantly, part of that bill significantly increased the amount of financial help provided through um, the exchange. And it actually is provides more in rural areas because it takes into account that there's less plans available. Um, so, so we're seeing folks in rural areas paying, three out of four folks paying as low as $20 a month.
1: Yeah, we saw that. So tell us a little bit
2: about um, specifically how that works. Um, so it's, again, those same tax credits. So they just increase the amount of tax credits available. Um, but they included in the equation of how, who gets, you know, more money. They, um, added into that how many plans are available in your area. Okay. And so the rural areas have less plans, unfortunately, like in call in Denver where I'm based, we have like, I think we have 16, we have a large number of carriers and a lot of plans, like upwards of 200, but then you go somewhere like Jackson County, which I know is not in your areas, but I'm using that as an example because sure. they only have one carrier, right? And so Jackson is seeing a lot more financial help um, because going they only to have the one carrier. Yes, then someone in Denver would see. So when they're when they were looking at who's going to get those more tax credits, they took into account how many plans are available in your area. So you put your zip code in when you calculate how much. Financial help you get and those in your in those rural areas are going to have more financial help available.
1: So I'll just say it from um, personally, we did this because my husband's a teacher and it was um, looking at that before we even started before we even got um, care. uh, With the deductibles and everything, it was going to be 25% of our annual household income. And so we just were like, we can't afford that. So we did get on the exchange for um, myself and our uh, my sons, and it did save us a tremendous amount of money. There's no way that we could afford to do that. Other
2: way. Yeah, and, and that's I'm glad you said that because another part of um, the American Rescue Plan was that they capped it at 8% of your income. So nobody, and no matter where you live, nobody in the United States who buys insurance through their exchange, through the federal or their state exchange, will pay more than eight percent of their income. That's that's incredible.
1: So let me ask you if somebody's already on the exchange, um, should they look at should they relook yes. at that now? Yes. Can you talk absolutely.
2: About that? Uh-huh. So if you already have a plan, we always say every year that it's good to go back and see um, if you have increased financial help or maybe now even we're seeing a lot of folks who didn't have health and who didn't, um, qualify for financial help at all going okay. in and finding out they now, um, qualify because unfortunately it's not automatic. So it's not just going to be like, Hey, by the way, you don't have financial help now you, but you qualify now you have to do okay. that yourself or through your broker or a sister. Um, and so we recommend that every single person on exchange, um, now who buys plans to, from us now to go back in and see what they qualify again. Okay. Uh, for and, now. They, and so they can do that starting November 1st, correct? Yep. On Monday. So okay. they, we open up on Monday and we're open until January 15th. Um, another thing I'll point out, um, is, we as part of the affordable care act um we are required to provide free help with enrollment so um if you're like me and i work for the exchange and i still like they show me my plan and i'm like what is a ppo i'm so confused i need someone to walk me through it right (laughs) We have expert help all over the state who will walk you through the whole process for no charge. And they're all because of COVID. One good thing that came out of COVID is they're doing virtual phone and in person. So if you live in a rural area where, you know, Pueblo is your closest, you know, um, certified expert, but you live in Trinidad say, or, you know, you, can call them and they'll walk you through the whole process on the phone or virtual. If you're tech savvy enough and want to do like what we're doing right now and do it on camera, they have all those options. Um, So when you go to our website, which is www.connectforhealthco.com, there's a um, tab at the top that says we can help. And you click that and you put in your zip code, and then you can just call the nearest um, site near you and they can kind of walk you through everything and explain everything to you.
1: Yeah. So it's really important when you look it up, um, for those of you who are listening, and we'll put this out in in email as well. When you go to do that, there's a lot of other things that pop up when you try to go and search for Connect for Health Colorado. So be very careful because I clicked on something and then my phone started immediately blowing up and texts and all of that, because I made the mistake of clicking on the thing that came up. First. Yeah.
2: I don't know if it's still like that. I know our comms team was working with, I don't know who you work with to do that. Cause that's not my wheelhouse, but yeah. whoever, whoever you work with to make sure we're at the top, but the way you'll know, it's our website is it's www.connectforhealthco.com. Anything else do not click. Cause you're right. They will, they will start calling you and spamming you. Yeah, big time. time. (laughs) So since
1: we last met a year ago, um, how many additional people have you helped in the Action 22 footprint?
2: I am pulling that up right now. So um, in your area, there are financially assisted, there's 10,003 enrollments. So that's financially assisted means they're getting those tax credits. Non-financially assisted, there's about 2,100. So, in total, there's about 12,100 um, in your areas uh, right now. So, 12,000 is a lot for our area. Yeah, so it is. And that's, that's San Luis Valley and Southeast. Yep. Um, and then, you know, it's also important to note we work with the Colorado Health Foundation, um, and they give us a number that we call EBNE, and it's called Eligible but Not Enrolled. Um, And in your area, there are 7,126 people who are eligible for either Medicaid or Connect for Health Colorado and not enrolled in any health insurance at all. Okay. So that's why we're here. We want 7,000.
1: So so there's 7,000 people that need the help. They just don't know that they can get it. Yes, They don't know they qualify or they don't know how. And, and that they actually probably could afford that. So yeah. um, Yeah.
2: And that's, we run into that a lot. It's like, Okay, well, private health insurance—I'm not going to be able to afford it. And we are like, no, come look through the exchange, and especially now because of the American Rescue Plan, there's right. so much more financial help available. Um, and it's like, let the let the government pay, man. Let them, <laughs> let them help you out.
1: <laughs> there helps available, so get it. Right. So, so to wrap this all up, November first is open enrollment. It goes November first till when?
2: Uh, January 15th.
1: So November 1st to January 15th. If you're one of the 7,000 people who still need some health insurance um, in the Action 22 footprint, go to connectforhealthco.com um, and make sure that that's where you're at before you click on anything because you'll get your phone. Trust me, I made the mistake. Um, it'll blow up. Uh, And then um, if you are already on the exchange, this is the time to check to see if you can get even more savings or more coverage, depending on the situation that you're in.
2: I have to tell you one more thing, actually, that I forgot to mention. Okay. So speaking of those tax credits, um, I was able to pull up what the average tax credit is um, in your region. So in the southeast, what um, Health and Human Services defines as the southeast region the average tax credit is $360. So the average individual is receiving $360 off of their monthly premium every month. Off their method, okay. And in the San Luis Valley, they're receiving an average of $477 That's a big. month. Those okay. are big numbers. And that goes back into your community. That goes back to your local shops. That goes back to your rent, to your other needs. So- Or just
1: having coverage that you didn't think. I mean, I think for a lot of folks, we just we were taking some risks for there for a little bit just because we have to don't run with that stick, you know, kind of thing with our kids because you worry about that because you just can't
2: afford it. And we don't want you to. And we're glad that we can, you know, that we're seeing these increases. And also, um, I just was told that I was reading the wrong number (laughs) Um, and that you actually have 22,000 enrollments. Oh, we have 22,000 enrolled. Yeah, between the Southeast region and the San Luis Valley. You have 21,000 in the Southeast region and about 2,000 in the San Luis Valley. And those are people who are receiving financial help. Okay. So there's actually more enrollments um, that are not financially, not getting the financial help, but those are the people who are enrolled in your communities and getting financial help.
1: So this just in, we're getting a whole lot more people in our area that are getting
2: help. Yes? Yes. And okay. lots more, more money. <laughs> okay, great. Um, savings, Yeah, so um, yeah, that's kind All of right. what I wanted to share. <laughs> oh, well, Jessica,
1: thanks so much for coming on the show again. You did a great job. Um, I hope everybody can listen. And I know that uh, it it's a lifesaver for our family. So thank you.
2: Great. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you for having us. And thanks for being such a great partner. Okay, great. Thank okay, you. Bye. bye. Okay.
3: All right. Yeah.
1: Did we get it? We got it. We got it. Okay. So we're sitting here with John. I'm going to take my headphones off because um, Brian's got his on and he keeps me um, up to date on everything. So um, I guess we got to switch gears and talk about running for office for (laughs) these local small governments. So um, school board. Okay. So here's what I want to, I want to talk about first. So John um, and his family have been in Rye for probably just about as long as our family has been in Rye. So I don't know what generation you guys are working on but um, up there, but you guys have been up there for a really, really long time.
4: We've been there for a minute. My little girls will be the fifth generation if they so choose to stick around on the ranch.
1: Sure, for, just for the ranch.
4: Right. <clears throat> so, yeah. And oh. our family homesteaded what's now known as Aspen Acres, up 165 above mm-hmm. San Isabel. And the actual homestead was in the little neighborhood, the HOA, that's across the highway from the campground. Okay. But they had acquired some more property over the years and ultimately sold that later on because of just lots of people coming in and it was getting dangerous, moving cattle and everything. And primarily they moved down and built a house. That we live in right now in 1910. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my grandfather could go to school uh, half a mile down the road.
1: Right. So um, the your ranch is up the old San Isabel Road for people mm-hmm. who know where that's at. Um, you guys have expanded a couple of things with your business. So you have the ranch, but you also have an event
4: space up there. We do. At Brush Canyon Ranch. It's a seasonal wedding venue. Uh, we run about, oh, on average... 17 or 18 weddings a year, I guess, from the 1st of June through roughly the middle of October, just kind of depending how the weekends fall. Yeah, that's fair. Um,
1: And then you you guys, um, you also started a a sawmill a couple years ago, yeah?
4: That's right. Uh, My wife and I, uh, a very long story, but we decided to jump into a sawmill business and that's another thing our family's been involved in for three generations. We've always had a little sawmill operating on the ranch at some point or another. It helped, helped my granddad through the Depression, mm-hmm. helped my dad through the, the black market in the 80s when the cattle market broke, well, when everything broke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helped us. We were just needing lumber, and as I got to talking to people in the valley, it turned out everybody, everybody lumber. Yeah. So, needs lumber. Everybody needs lumber. So that was, uh, timing was Perfect. On that.
1: Um, and and you guys produce a great product. Billy Hamler um, added on a porch or something um, this last summer, and got all he gets all of his lumber from you. And That's right. I think a lot of people up there are getting their lumber from you.
4: It's it's turned out to be a great local service. Yeah, I, we I mean, do all sorts of things for for everybody. So,
3: um, do you, is it primarily local or do you expand and go out beyond the region?
4: We have customers from as far north as um, Fort Collins. We've had some people come out of Santa Fe, um, Western Slope, and there's sawmills all in between there. So I don't know what the fit is. (laughs) Um, I don't know if they (laughs) like us or our prices or both, but it works, and people come from a long ways to to buy our lumber. Good Colorado lumber. Good Colorado lumber. It's all native lumber. Yep. And
1: it's the, the big timbers and the stuff yeah. that you just can't get other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, I got to ask you, you're super busy with all of these things that you're running. What made you want to run for student or uh, school board?
3: Student government.
1: Student government. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> student council.
3: Not enough stuff to do, right? right. So, so
1: just, you have to know, we both graduated from Rye. He went with one of my sisters. So he was a few, John was a few years behind me. Okay. So when I think of him, I think of him as this ornery little kid that you just kind of wanted to kick every time you saw him because he was
4: doing something he
1: wasn't supposed to be doing.
4: A lot of that hasn't changed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so school board.
4: Yeah. It's, it's funny you ask that because I ask myself that several times a day, yeah. especially mm-hmm. right now. Um, it, uh, it definitely evolved over, over the past year. Um, I had started attending school board meetings or paying attention i should say several years ago when district 70 moved to first student and there was a lot of issues with that company you know as far as our transportation they cut buses uh, bus routes
1: yeah so let me tell you first student they outsourced um their transportation and and district 70 um puts more miles on buses than any other school district in the nation. It's something like 3,200 miles that they're obligated to mm-hmm. provide um, a day, their buses. Wow. So so it was, there was a, some cost, they were trying to find some cost savings, so they outsourced this, and it was, in my opinion, one of the worst decisions that the district made. I mean, it's just been a disaster ever since.
4: It has been, and there were other... Um options as far as Mm -hmm. subcontractor um, transportation companies and that's one thing i hate about the bidding world is especially a like a public school district or a government agency they always go with the cheapest bid and yeah yeah it doesn't always pan out that way and that's the issue with a lot of stuff within the district but but that's where my interest started and then uh, a year ago obviously started paying attention again with what was going on with you know COVID Mm -hmm. and that got me back in there and that's where I realized that there was just a lot of things going on in the board meetings that I didn't think were were right and there turns out there's a lot of people that feel that way and that's one thing about the past year is it's raised everybody's awareness on everything yeah so there's a lot of people that think some of these new because we've got more school board candidates now than maybe ever. There's uh, 12, I believe. Wow. And Are there really? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot. Including the incumbents. But, oh, yeah. But um, still. But still, it's, but still, it's, it's, a, it's lot. a lot. Nobody has really ever paid attention to the school board, including me. So I've, I'm as guilty as anybody on complacency over what's been going on. And so a big argument I've been fighting here personally is, oh, well, you're all about no masks, and you're all about this and that. The other, and, well, no, I'm not. That's really not why I decided to run for the board. That's just what caught my attention. That's what got me there. And I've learned about all this other stuff going on. Um, COVID is a big deal, but for what I see with our district, it's just a hurdle right now. We need to get through that so we can address the bigger ticket issues.
3: But I think a lot of these races coming up, more so the local ones, it's interesting because COVID was the catalyst to get people involved. It's like when they started to, like you said, pay attention to it. So you're seeing more and more candidates for, you know, city council, um, all the way to like comptroller, dog catcher and stuff based on this. And I think it was one thing, and I've heard people say this before, that COVID has done kind of one of the silver linings, is that people are actually paying attention now to this stuff. And and on the local level. And I've always said it that, you know, when you think running for office, you think like senator, congressman, governor, or whatever. But I've always said, you know, no, it's the local elections, it's the school board elections, the water board or water district, metro district, county commissioner, city council, and again, as a result of COVID, you see like way more candidates running because they are paying attention.
4: Ex- uh, you couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. That's yeah. exactly
3: right. Yeah, a lot of the local decisions that have been made through the past year and a half i think have impacted people and that's what made them realize like hey this is a local thing and it's affected me this way how do i get involved
4: Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. yeah and you just define me to a t on why i why i'm sitting here Uh, (laughs) because i'll i'll tell you i've told several people this that um i i really don't want to run for the school board i don't necessarily want to be on the school board i kind of feel like i need to be it's There's some really good candidates, some strong potential there. And we didn't have anybody stepping up for our director seat five within the district. And I got tired of going to the board meetings and griping and everything falls on a deaf ear. Mm -hmm. And so I just shut up and decided that it was time to step up. And and ultimately that's why I decided to run for the school board. So
1: aside from masks, what um, what are some of the things that we're like I, I've got it is making you say I've got to run I've got to do this give us an example
4: um without mentioning any names there's it's a small town right so all there's a lot of the faculty that are close friends of mine outside of the school and mm-hmm. I got to talking to these people off uh, off record uh, you know off duty yeah and I hear stories of the way that teachers were spoke to behind closed doors and threats coming down the pipeline if they didn't do this and you have to act this way. And I better not see your name on this this petition that pertains to XYZ because that's not what the district is about. Well, how do you expect our teachers to do their job if they don't feel like they can do their job? Yeah. And that ultimately, and one of them was a very Close friend of mine that I grew up with and she told me a few stories and about some current administrators and I just kind of took it personal. I, I really dislike a, a abuse of power. I don't like bullying. I don't like <laughs> I don't like chauvinistic men or anybody for that matter. Right. All these stories pertain to all that and you know on a level of professionalism it shouldn't happen, let alone, you know, talking to some of these women teachers like that. Yeah. Or any teacher, but especially the women teachers. I just, that was probably number one right there, because we lost a lot of teachers last year.
1: We did lose a lot of teachers um, last year. Hold on a second. Um, we, there was, we lost a lot of teachers. We lost a lot of really good people who had um, come back to their own community. And... You know, small town people tend to be very protective of each other. And so I get that. But um there was a lot of other of our teachers that were really pushed to the brink. Mm -hmm. They really looked at this and said, I just I don't even think I we want to do this anymore. Like are and you know, what's their they were starting to draw a line in the sand, like if it gets to this point, I'm out. Mm -hmm. And you heard that over and over again, or just the the stress that was put on them. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things, I love that you say that because so often when some of these decisions are made, the people that are on the front lines, we talk about frontline workers and, you know, what's going on with them, teachers are frontline workers. Yeah. Big huh. time. 100%. Big yeah.
4: time. 100%, that's, you know, the as a group of people that we trust our children with for what, 150, 60 days out of the year, all yeah. day. Yeah. And, you know, we've got we've got administrators driving vehicles that are worth twice what a teacher makes in a year. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something wrong with that. Things are uh, things are out of balance. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think also it's hard to swallow that when you look in the classroom and see what's needed and you need. We have a lot of a lot of um, kids that come up there that have um, are diverse learners. And we need para pros, we need all of those things. It's really hard to wrap your brain around who's being served.
4: It is. It's,
1: that's the hard part. Um, we're going to we're gonna come back, we're going to be with John here after the break and we're going to talk a little bit about what some of his visions are of what he thinks he could actually get done um, on this very local level and, and what uh, um, he's learned in the process of running for office for the first time ever. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stick with us
0: This episode of Making Action Happen is sponsored by Action 22's amazing energy leaders. Xcel Energy, Colorado Rural Electric Association, Colorado Oil and Gas Association, Gil Romero and the Capital Success Group, Black Hills Energy, Nextera Energy, San Isabel Electric Association, Outshine Energy, Colorado Solar and Storage Association, Tri-State and 174 Power Global. Action 22 is a nonpartisan membership-driven organization which serves as a voice for action on public policy for 22 Southern Colorado counties on the state and federal level. We focus on how issues relating to Colorado legislation, local government affairs, health care, education, and natural resources intersect for the economic health of our region. If you're a leader in your community and are considering joining Action 22, you can get more information by emailing show at action22.org or visit our website at action22.org.
1: Voice America programs are
3: now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, tune in at iHeartRadio. Listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast.
0: Hey, Alexa. Today's Hot Topics.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk
0: station. VoiceAmerica.com. This is Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's one 472 5788 You may also reach out via email to sarah.blackhurst at action22.org. Now, back to Making Action Happen.
1: Hi, we're back. We're sitting here with John Christensen, who is running for office for the first time in his life, has no political aspirations but just saw that uh, he needed to weigh in. He saw a few things he didn't like. And so he's going to weigh in we're seeing so much of this happening with so many people. Um, And like Brian said, a few minutes ago, uh, we're seeing this on all the local level. We sort of love that this is the trend that's happening right now, but I'm always curious as to why somebody would jump in and why they would jump in um, at this point in the game. Uh, And I think, uh, there's a saying that goes, whoever develops the most during a campaign or during election is the one that wins it, whether or not they actually get all the votes. So whoever develops the most. So you started this, you announced in what, August?
4: Yeah, I believe so. I can't remember the exact date when the packets were ready for pickup, mm-hmm. but it was, it was right in there somewhere.
1: And, um, and there was a lot of noise around you running because I don't think anybody expected that John Christensen would run for anything.
4: That includes me. So, <laughs> that's um, not a bad thing. So
1: <laughs> it's not a bad fair, thing. That's not a bad it's thing. It's not a bad thing. We, I think everybody needs to, you know, accept some different perspectives. So, what's the biggest thing that you've learned since, like, what's when you started this and where you're at right now? Because the um, ballots are due what next week, or is it the week after? Yeah,
3: it's next week. What five days? Tuesday.
4: Yeah, yeah. Tuesday. Well, so, so
1: we're pretty close to I mean, to the end of this. What's What's something that you didn't expect to discover on this little journey of
4: yours? Um, I would have to say some of these conversations with teachers and parents about certain programs that I didn't know had large issues or big issues Mm -hmm. like, um, uh, no child left behind. Okay. Uh, lots of learning to lots of teachers and especially some parents have, there's problems within this program because kids get shuffled along Mm -hmm. just so they stay with their peers instead of maybe they need to be held back so they can advance when they go to that next grade. Uh, was completely clueless on, on those issues before the now. Um, some other ones are, uh, oh, the, uh, the students with disabilities.
1: Oh yeah, uh, they burst learners.
4: Yes, Yeah. Um, that there's a bunch of holes in that, I guess. The yes. same deal, I yeah. I didn't know that. We're blessed with, with kids that they don't struggle in school, they're healthy, everything's just, they're, they're just moving right along. right we have friends with some students in in those areas that we talked about and um it was just we never talked about the actual education i had no idea that that these programs that look so good from the outside are really bumpy
3: on the inside yeah and a lot of them i think were started with good intentions but that's not that's good intentions you know that the the road to hell is paved with right. good intentions. Right. So it's, I don't think a lot of them are nefarious, but they don't work and then they don't change. And then it becomes the norm and then it never gets the, the bumps out of the road. Exactly. Yes. So one thing that I ask um, whenever we have a candidate come up or that I just meet, I say, you know, you're, you're running for this position. Give me three things, three issues that are important to you. The elevator conversation
4: so one thing probably the biggest point and again this ties right into where all my concerns started rising was mm. the communication there's okay. just there's been this wall put up sarah and i were talking about this the other day there's been this wall put up between i, I believe that parents and teachers are on one side and you have administration on the yes. other and because the teachers are separated from this, they, in a sense, they get separated from the parents too. Yeah. And so that would be number one is to blow that wide open. Communication. The board of education, the faculty, and the administration. And I, and I think that's probably the biggest job of the board member mm-hmm. to do that. Um,
3: that's your responsibility as a board member, right? Exactly. You were you elected by the public to ensure that there is communication and these issues are resolved for your kids in the community. That's mm-hmm. why they send you up there. Right. Okay. You're,
4: I mean, you're, you're going to be the middleman, the whipping post yep. and all this, any other term you can think of. <laughs> yep. You're going
1: you're gonna to catch some flack.
4: You're yep. going to catch some flack. And there's another big fight, not fight, but just some, I'm catching some friction and backlash from other people as well. You don't have any uh, experience in the world of education. You're, You know, I have an associate's degree in fire science technology. I thought I wanted to be a firefighter. That didn't pan out. Um, And they think that you should have a master's in education and all this. Well, you can't have a board of all educators. That's not the point of a board of education. You need some educators. You need some business people. You need some people that are involved in health, which there's a a candidate running. That's the uh, Fremont County Health Director, for Mm, example. Yeah. Um, You know, when school boards started, they were a collaboration of people from all over the area. They were small business owners in town. They were parents. They were this. They were that. The other. Um, And I think it needs to be all of that to make a good board. And you can't have a board member experienced on every aspect. And another thing, people are wanting all their views to line up perfectly with the board members. And that's not going to happen. I don't know what they're looking for. but so Some the, sort of utopia. or I don't know just
3: what. No, so that's so for the second one. Sorry. Well, no, no. I got off on a rant. No, no. That's that's great. So we'll we'll borrow a phrase that's overused a lot right now. So it's diversity of the school board. I mean, basically that's it. You know, the school board represents the people, and you need to have an accurate representation of the population of the school board. Yes. So, okay. So that's two. So what would what was the third one?
4: The third one would definitely have to be it's so overused, another word, but I'm going to lump two together is transparency and accountability mm-hmm. for our administration. And it's also I sound like I'm being a, a dead horse because everybody that's a big concern with everybody. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, it is what financial statements are available to the public. Um, you get them pulled up and there's, you know, $10,000 miscellaneous expenditures. Well, how do you have it? That should be a hundred dollars. Yeah. Not 10 grand yeah. for a miscellaneous expenditure. And then that's just a small example. Yeah. But you know, the, the vehicles that we talked about, yeah. and I don't disagree with these guys have a lot on their, these people have a lot on their plate, mm-hmm. but man, when we've got great teachers like we do, especially in our mountain schools um, and they're barely taking home 30 K a year and we've, got new vehicles on the administrators every year and some stuff yeah. and then you it's the same people that preach about oh we need to make cut, budget cuts we need to yeah. do this we need to do that we need to hire first students so we can cut 1.2 million out of the transportation budget well it seems like there's some other areas we could trim the fat yeah yeah, yeah. that that was i won't
3: say the name of the county but it's in colorado and one thing was their their law enforcement there they make i think starting out like it was 20,000 a year.
4: Oh my gosh. And like the response
3: time in this area was rural was like an hour. And it got to the point where they could not even pay for a deputy from like one in the morning to six in the morning. So like state patrol is taking care of this and like the forest service Rangers and stuff. But it, it was really interesting because the, um, the sheriff there came up and he went in front of the County commissioners. He was like, we just need like a salary of 28,000 a year to hire another deputy. And they said no, and then a month later, the county commissioners turned around and gave themselves like a twenty thousand dollar raise, of the three. So it was like sixty thousand in raises.
1: But they wouldn't give.
3: And you see everywhere from on the federal level to where you have the administration versus the workers paid, you know, ten to one on it. And then it starts to, and you see in these areas, and it's not necessarily like the school districts around here but you start to see that administration grow and grow and grow with more people making more money where and then the workers like shrink 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 and make, Mm -hmm. you know, less money. And that's kind of the, the curse among government right now in the
4: United States, I think
3: that's finally coming home to roost.
4: Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, a lot of people like to preach and complain and moan about the 1% in the, in America that makes all the money. Well, you can very easily apply that to a public mm. school district. The administration is our 1% and our teachers who are keeping the thing together yeah. are lacking. Yep. And, you know, in several of these forums, we need to, how would you retain teachers, teacher retention? Yeah. Damn. them and given
1: them more to do
4: Yeah. with yeah. less. That uh, And that brings up another, subject if you're okay with it <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. please do it is all you know there's a whole lot of conversation going on around right now about you know <clears throat> CRT critical race theory and mm-hmm. some other stuff and got in a pretty heated discussion a few days ago with some people um because now there's static with the social and uh, emotional learning mm-hmm. which a lot of teachers support 100% um and the conversation was how accessible it is to critical race theory. And not saying that SEL is a vehicle for it, I'm just saying that we need to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. This CRT stuff, you know, the people that support it will say, well, this is you know emotional development for our kids mm-hmm. and, and it needs to be in the classroom. And my argument, the reason I brought it up is what you said, Sarah, is why are we putting this on our teachers also? Why isn't this taught at home? Yes. Yeah. Um, Yes, there needs to be some emotional stuff at school. That's why especially District 70 could use more counselors. They have addressed that. I guess they've got each school has a counselor now. There
1: are more counselors um, that are out there. But it's been at, it's not been at the expense, in my opinion, of the administration. It's been at the expense of the para pros or the teachers or other programs.
4: Okay.
1: Do you know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. um, that's really important. And I think it's really important. And especially when we see um, some of the, especially the emotional stuff that we have to address in ways that we didn't have to, Mm -hmm. and especially coming off of this but it shouldn't be at the expense of other educators or having the, having the staff to take care of these kids. So, um, that's, that's the problem I have with that. And I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, if they want to do that, then bring on the staff because what you're doing is you're burning out these teachers. How do you retain teachers? Quit burning them out, quit Mm -hmm. giving them more stuff to do. If you're going to add something to their plate, ask them if that's actually what's needed or what do they need mm-hmm. to do that. And I don't see those conversations happening. And it's, no. you know, my husband's a teacher, so we have this conversation mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but to say we need to do this extra thing and then to throw it at a teacher, like you're going to have to start teaching that. Let them do their job without adding more to their plate because you're, you're at some point there is a breaking point
3: exactly and they'll quit, exactly. so
1: quit. And they'll quit, yeah. so quit because they are. um yeah they are um mm-hmm. and, and that, you, we've even had that discussion you
4: yeah know? and that was that was all my point was in that conversation a few days ago with these this group of people was we can't we can't expect the teachers to take that on to this no. emotional development of the kids yeah no. just especially in a, a specified program i mean sel is approved curriculum you know, yeah Catholic state so Any good teacher is going to emotionally help a kid as much as they can.
1: Oh, and you know that they are. But to add that
4: to it, it it just, and I was telling these people, I'm not saying get rid of it. Just just saying we need to be aware because its platform is perfect for, like you said, programs with good intentions. And before you know it. It's an unfunded mandate. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what happens to it um, on
1: that side of it. All right. So along that vein, there was a lot of noise and you bring a very different perspective that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Um, Because you're, you're, I get it because we're Rye kids, right? But you're going to call it like you see it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's never going to change with you. And like you said, that mix is really important. Mm -hmm. But how are you going to drive collaboration? How are you going to work with people with differing points of view?
4: Well, I guess, along the lines of what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If I am a question asker. I like to learn. I want to know. Um, I'm not against rules. They just need to be logical. Yeah. Um, so that goes along. I'm going to, I need to be equally as comfortable of being asked questions and I'm pretty open-minded and I like to listen. I like to talk to people. So just that there, just because I'm asking you, why should we do this? Doesn't mean I'm, against it or anti anything i just want to know why plain and simple explain it to me and i've (laughs) so to reciprocate that that's i expect the same treatment from other people they want to know i'll answer your question i don't care Mm -hmm. if if i'm able if i know the answer Mm -hmm. and that's another thing i'm not afraid to say i don't know
1: i'm laughing because um i found so often i'm a question asker big time and I don't know if it's a small town thing or whatever, but I will keep asking the question till I figure it out.
4: Mm-hmm. But
1: and I've not—I've never understood till this moment that I mean I've been told that's intimidating or people take that the wrong way. Poor Brian, I do this to him all day long. I'm like Brian, help me understand this. I don't get this. Like why is this this way or whatever. And he'll, you know he always has a good answer for me. But yeah.
3: you should just say because they're stupid?
1: <laughs> Sometimes he they're does just say dumb. That. Don't worry about it. He's one of the few people that can get away with the don't worry about it with me because um, I've been down that rabbit hole. But that's I think I don't know why that's intimidating, um, but I think that's something that that we have to work on is really genuinely trying to figure out what somebody else's perspective is mm-hmm. um, so yeah, you're you're it's going to be it's going to be tough for you if you get if you win, that's going to be the thing that's going to be hard for you.
4: <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm already seeing that a little bit, get a little taste of it from people and um uh, you know, it is what it is and one of my favorite quotes is if you're making everybody happy, you're doing something wrong. Yep. <laughs> and you know, we like I was joking about a utopia earlier. But funny, not funny. There's a lot of people that would like that, and most people realize that that they don't exist. This world was designed on civil disagreements, yeah, and sometimes heated disagreements. Yeah. Um, it's just when you're passionate about something, it's hard to keep the emotions at bay. Yeah, and I'm one of those people that I like to ask questions. My wife tells me I'm too confrontational most of the time, so I'm trying to rein that in because. <laughs> you know there's a time and a place for it and i'm learning that yeah but i don't know why to answer your question i don't know why so many people get so up in arms about a question Um, i know when i get defensive about it it's because something's not right with what i'm about to answer either i know i'm wrong Mm -hmm. or it doesn't fit or something and that's why i get defensive so when somebody gets defensive, when I ask a question, I kind of look at it the same way. Like, well, what are you hiding? Yeah. Like, what's, the, <laughs> what's the big deal about? Like, this?
1: just yeah, just tell me what you're what you're working on. what why you're you, doing. You, Yeah. Why yeah. are you
3: doubling down on this? Yeah, point, like right. You know, help me
1: understand your perspective. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe maybe that's the way I ask the question. You could get a little <laughs> bit softer, but um, I just my brain just goes. So what's the very first thing that you want to do? Um, if you win this seat, what's the very first thing that you want to get
4: done? Um, I would have to say, because I find myself thinking about this a lot, I would, uh, from aside from the obvious, getting together with the board members and, you know, getting a feel for each other, um, it would be getting right down in our, in our schools and, talking to our principals and find, they know the school it's impossible. It's going to be impossible for a board member to know the school. That's why you go to the principal and obviously you sit down with some teachers, but you know, find out the, find out the issues. Yeah.
1: What is it that they need?
4: Yeah. You know, why is the, why has there been a work order in for these set of potholes for three years and they're still not repaired? And yeah, you know, we've had, why, where did the one point, whatever million go, that was posted out front to school, you know, and the right. roof repairs and all this stuff. And the roof still leaks. And uh, why is Craver still waiting on a steam cleaner two right. three years down the road? And this is all stuff I learned just when I was uh, gaining my signatures. Mm-hmm. Just idle conversations with people. You have no idea. No idea. Why is it, you know, the janitor tells me, he's like, you know, we got to wait two days to get a doorknob replaced. Well, yeah. why? But these are competent people. Why? Especially one of the biggest gripes with the district, right, is the mountain schools are so far out there. Yeah. Well, then let them implement some stuff and help out on the traveling expense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of this stuff is so self-explanatory that it just blows my mind. And it's not
3: transparent. So you can't, the average person can't go in and see why, what the Mm -hmm. reason for it is. Because who knows, there might be a reason for it. Yeah. But you can't even see.
4: But you, you and, don't know and
1: if yeah. if the question why um, becomes hostile then how are you supposed to get to any answers or any solutions i yeah. guess mm-hmm. so that's going it's going to be interesting um, we don't know how this is going to turn out right we don't know um, um, how that goes um, so i'm going to ask we're, we're going to finish it with this cuz we're just about out of time tell me one thing that you've um, that you've discovered along you know, in the last few months that you're like, okay, we got this. This is going to be good. We, I mean, I want a bright spot. I want something positive that you discovered that you didn't know before.
4: I was a little nervous about announcing running for the board with our mountain school, the faculty. Okay. I, well, I wasn't, I really didn't know what to expect and was basically welcomed with open arms. They were excited Few one or two teachers actually said this is more than we've seen a board member in years, oh, and I'm just getting signatures. Oh yeah, um, because so you needed a minimum of fifty for your petition. But they give you two packets with seventy each, and I decided that well, I'm going to turn in 170 because they invariably throw some out. Yep, and the first sixty-five or seven signatures were all faculty, hmm. because. and that was intentional because aside from the kids, I'm not going to sit here and preach to you about I'm here for the kids. That's obvious because you'd have to be certifiably insane to run for the school board. if It wasn't for the kids. (laughs) Right. Well, teachers are a close second, I guess, or equal to, I'm not sure quite where to put that, but I wanted that on the forefront and I hope that it, they noticed that in there. The, the whole first packet was all teachers. That's who needs our support. Yeah. Cuz if you got the teachers where they feel good, then they can build that gonna, platform for the kids. Yeah,
1: they're going to do a better job of serving the kids. So
4: um, so that was that was pretty unexpected. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I feel pretty good about that. I love it. I love it
1: well that's all the time we've got um we've got a lot of discussions coming down the pike in the next few weeks with uh what we're seeing uh in preparation for the legislative session that's coming up we know that there's going to be um a lot of we're gonna have to stand up and and make our voices heard and be really um strong on a lot of issues coming up if you're not already a member of action 22 you need to be and now is, is the time to join um if you're interested in doing that just uh or email us at show at action22.org. And we will tell you how you can be involved and immediately expand your influence and strengthen our collective voice. We'll see you guys next week.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain for another edition of the show next Thursday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.